Encyclical Letter, Amentissimi Redemptoris, On Priests and the Care of Souls, by Pope Pius IX. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Amentissimi Redemptoris, On Priests and the Care of Souls, May 3, 1858. Pope Pius IX, to all the patriarchs, primates, archbishops, bishops, and other ordinaries of the places in communication with the Apostolic See. Venerable Brethren, Health and Apostolic Benediction. The goodness and charity of our most dearly beloved Redeemer, Jesus Christ, only Son of God, towards mankind, has been so great that you know, Venerable Brethren, having taken human nature, he desired not only to suffer for our salvation the most frightful torments and the horrible death of the cross, but still more, reascending to heaven at the right hand of the Father to dwell meanwhile with us in the august sacrament of his body and of his blood, and in the excess of his love, to make it our food and our nourishment for the purpose of being also our sustenance and our strength by the presence of his divinity the most assured safeguard of spiritual life. And not content with this signal and altogether divine proof of charity, adding benefits to benefits, and spreading over us the richness of his love, he has wished to give us the full certainty that those whom he has loved, he loved to the end. It is on that account, declaring himself the eternal priest according to the order of Melchizedek, he has instituted in perpetuity his priesthood in the Catholic Church and decreed that the sacrifice which he offered once by the effusion of his precious blood on the altar of the cross to redeem the entire human race, to deliver it from the yoke of sin and from slavery of the devil, and to pacify all things in the heavens and on the earth, shall be permanent unto the consummation of ages, ordaining that this sacrifice in which there is no change except in the manner of offering it, shall be made and offered each day by the ministry of the priests, in order to sow among men the fruits, sovereignly, salutary, and sovereignly fruitful, of his passion. Thus, in the unbloody sacrifice of the Mass, accomplished by the noble ministry of the priests, is offered this same victim, the source of life, who has reconciled us to God the Father, and who having all virtue to merit, to appease, to obtain, and to satisfy, repairs in us the ruins of death by the mystery of the only Son. Arisen from the dead, the only Son dies no more, and death shall no more have any power over him. He lives by himself an immortal and incorruptible life, and it is he who is immolated for us in this mystery of the sacred oblation, as confessed by St. Gregory the Great in his Dialogues. Such is the pure oblation that no unworthiness, no perversity in those who offer it, can ever sully, and which, by the mouth of Malachi, the Lord has predicted, that to the glory of his name become great among the nations. It shall be offered in its purity in every place, from the rising to the setting of the sun. Malachi chapter 1. This oblation of an unspeakable fecundity embraces the present and the future life. By it, giving us the grace and gift of penance, God, who is appeased, 
remits even the most enormous crimes and sins, and although grievously offended by our prevarications, he passes from anger to mercy, from a just severity to clemency. By it are equally remitted the temporal penalties due for the expiation of our faults. By it are relieved the souls of those who are dead, in union with Christ, without having been fully purified. By it also we receive those temporal goods which are not an obstacle to the goods of a superior order. By it is rendered to the saints, and above all, to the Immaculate Most Holy Mary Mother of God, the greatest honor and worship that she can receive. It is, therefore, that, conformably to the traditions of the Apostles, we offer the divine sacrifice of the Mass, for the common peace of the churches, for the good order of the world, for emperors, for warriors, for those who are united to us, for those who labor under sickness, for those who are oppressed with grief, for those in general who are in want, and for the dead detained in purgatory, believing that the greatest succor which those souls can receive is that which is here given them, when we pray for them at the moment that the holy and formidable victim is immolated before us, as taught by St. Cyril of Jerusalem in his Catholic mystagogy. There is nothing, then, greater, more holy, more divine, than the unbloody sacrifice of the Mass, by which the same body, the same blood, the same Jesus Christ, our God and Lord, is offered and immolated on the altar, for the salvation of all, by the priests, and it is for that reason that the Holy Mother the Church, which is in possession of this treasure, so great, of her divine spouse, has never ceased to employ all her care, all her zeal, all her vigilance, in order that this grand mystery may be accomplished by the priests with the greatest interior purity of the heart, and in order that it might be celebrated with all the becoming appurtenances of worship, according to the rules laid down by the ritual and the sacred ceremonies, in order that the grandeur and the majesty of the mystery itself may shine in the exterior appearance, and that thus the faithful may be excited to the contemplation of the divine things contained and hidden in so venerable a sacrifice. It is with the same ardor and the same solicitude that this pious mother, addressing herself to those faithful children, never ceases to bring to their minds, to exhort them, to inflame their zeal, to bring them frequently to this divine sacrifice with all the piety, all the respect, and all the devotion which it deserves, ordaining that all are absolutely held to assist at it on feast days of obligation, attending to it with the religious attention of eyes and of heart, in order that they may be happily enabled to obtain, by the virtue of the mercy of God, the abundance of all gifts. Now, it is in favor of mankind that every pontiff taken from among men is constituted in those things that appertain to God in order to offer for their sins gifts and sacrifices. It is then, your wisdom knows well, venerable brethren, the duty of pastors to apply the most holy sacrifice of the Mass for the people of whom they have the charge. According to the doctrine of the Council of Trent, this obligation involves a divine precept. This council teaches, in effect, in terms the most profound and the most grave, that by the divine precept it is commanded to all those to whom the care of souls is confided, 
to know their flock and to offer the sacrifice for them. You also know the encyclical letter dated the 19th of August, 1744, of our predecessor, Benedict XIV of Happy Memory, in which, speaking at full length and wisely of this obligation, explaining more in detail and confirming the sense of the Fathers of Trent, in order to erase all doubts and do away with all controversies, he declares plainly and openly, and enacts that the parish priests, parochos, and all others having the cure of souls, ought to offer the sacrifice of the Mass for those who are confided to them every Sunday and on every feast of obligation. He adds that this obligation extends for the days in which he himself, diminishing the number of feasts of obligation in certain dioceses, had given permission for servile work, still maintaining for them the obligation of assisting on those days at the holy sacrifice. By the returns on the state and the situation of your diocese, which, with the care worthy of all praise, and well has it filled our heart with satisfaction, you addressed us, venerable brethren, us and the apostolic see, how you discharged the duty of your charge, we see with great joy the pastors of souls scrupulously fulfilling the obligation of which we have just spoken, and not neglecting to celebrate the sacrifice of the Mass for the people confided to them, on Sunday and on the other days which continue to be days of obligation. But we also know that in a certain number of localities, this duty has ceased to be fulfilled by parish priests on days which ought to be observed as feasts of obligation, according to the constitution of our predecessor Urban VIII of happy memory, and for which the Holy See, submitting to the various demands of the first pastors, and taking into considerations the reasons and the motives which they have explained, has not only permitted, in reducing the number of feasts of obligation, that the people may attend to servile work, but it has been granted to them that they may be dispensed with from hearing the Holy Mass. Since these indulgences emanating from the Holy See were published, the parish priests of different countries believe themselves also relieved from the obligation of offering the Holy Sacrifice for their parishioners on the days of the suppressed feasts, and have ceased completely to fulfill this duty. Thence there has been established in those countries, among the parish priests, the practice of not celebrating at all, on the above-named days, the holy sacrifice of the Mass for the people, and this custom has not wanted apologists and defenders. Full of an extreme solicitude for the entire spiritual flock which the Lord himself has confided to us, and lively afflicted at the loss of the great spiritual advantages which result from this omission to the faithful of those countries, we have resolved to regulate a matter of such great importance. We remembering above all that the apostolic see has always taught that the parish priests ought to celebrate the holy sacrifice for their parishioners even on the days of suppressed feasts. Although, in fact, the Roman pontiffs, our predecessors, having regard to the pressing solicitations of the first pastors, to the different and numerous wants of the faithful people, and to the grave motives resulting from the interests of the times and of the places, had judged it right to reduce the number of the feasts of obligation, and consented at the same time, that the work might freely attend on those days to serve all works without being obliged to assist at the holy sacrifice. Nevertheless, these same pontiffs, our predecessors, in granting these indulgences, 
have desired that the law should be fully and faithfully observed, which enacts that there should be nothing of innovation in the churches in all that appertains to the regular order and the right of the divine offices, and that all should be continued to be done absolutely as before from the time of the constitution of Urban VIII, of which we have spoken, was still in vigor, and which prescribed that the feasts should be observed as of obligation. From thence, the parish priests could easily comprehend that they were never, by any means, freed from the obligation of offering on those days, for the people, the sacrifice of the Mass, which is the most important part of divine worship, and they ought, above all, to observe that the pontifical rescripts should be understood altogether in the sense which they offer themselves, and that they must be interpreted in the strictest sense. Let us add that the Holy See, consulted in many particular cases on the duties of pastors, has never omitted to reply, by the different congregations, whether it be that of the council, whether it be that of the propaganda, whether it be that of the holy rites, as also by the sacred penitentiary, and ever and always has it declared that the parish priests continue under the obligation of saying Mass for the parishioners, even on the days which have ceased to be counted among the number of feasts of obligation. After having weighed and examined these things with maturity, and after having taken the counsel of many of our venerable brothers, the cardinals of the sacred congregation of rites, who compose the congregation charged with causing to be respected and with interpreting the decrees of the Council of Trent, we have judged it right, venerable brethren, to write you this encyclical letter, in order to trace out for your guidance a sure rule, and to fix for you a law which must be observed with care and vigilance by all parish priests. It is, therefore, that we declare by these presents, we enact and decree that all parish priests, and also all others who have a charge of souls, should offer and apply the most holy sacrifice of the Mass for the people who are confided to them, not only on all the Sundays and other days which obligation obliges them to preserve, but also on the days which the Holy See has consented to retrench from the number of feasts of obligation and which have been transferred, as all those who have charge of souls should be aware, since the time of the constitution of Urban VIII was fully in vigor, before the feast days of obligation were diminished in number and transferred. We only accept one case, that in which the divine office shall have been transferred with the solemnity to the day of Sunday then the one only Mass shall be applied for the people by the parish priest, provided that the Mass, which is the principal part of the divine office, ought to be deemed transferred with the office itself. Wishing also, in the love by which our paternal heart is animated, with a view to the tranquility of the pastors who, ceding to the custom that was introduced, have omitted to apply their Mass for the people on the days indicated, and in virtue of our apostolic authority, we fully absolve those parish priests from all anterior omissions. And as, among those who have charge of souls, there are those who have obtained from the Holy See a particular indulgence for reduction, we agree that they should continue to enjoy the benefit of the indulgence on the conditions which are herein expressed, and as long as they fill the office of parish priests in the parishes which they administer and govern at present. In giving these decisions, and in using this indulgence, we have every reason to hope, venerable brethren, that the parish priests, animated more than ever with zeal and charity 
will hasten to satisfy with as much care as piety the obligation of applying the Mass for the people, and that they will seriously reflect on the abundance of the spiritual graces at first, then on the multitude of the gifts which the application of the divine and unbloody sacrifice causes to flow so largely on the people confided to their care. But we are not unaware that particular cases may be presented which, on account of facts and circumstances, there is reason to grant to parish priests a dispensation of this obligation. We wish that you should know that it is to our congregation of council alone that all should repair to obtain these kinds of indulgences. We do not accept any but the persons who depend on our congregation of the propaganda on which we have conferred the same powers in this regard. We entertain no doubt at all, venerable brethren, that in the solicitude of your episcopal zeal, you will hasten to cause it to be known without delay to all and to each of the parish priests of your diocese, that by our present letters, and in virtue of our supreme authority, we confirm and declare anew, we wish, command, and ordain, touching the obligation in which they are to apply the holy sacrifice of the Mass for those who are confided to them. We are equally persuaded that you will carry the greatest amount of watchfulness to those who have the charge of souls, to acquit themselves with care of this part of their duty, and that they will observe with exactness what we have regulated and laid down by these letters. We desire also that a copy of these letters shall be preserved in perpetuity in the archives of your episcopal courts. And as you very well know, venerable brothers, that the most holy sacrifice of the Mass is a great source of enlightenment for the faithful, never cease to call attention to and to exhort the parish priests principally the preachers of the divine word and all those who are charged with instructing the Christian people, that they have to expound and explain to the faithful, with all the care and zeal possible, the necessity, the greatness and efficacy, the end and the fruits of this holy and adorable sacrifice, that they may impress and excite the faithful to assist at it frequently. They shall be able, with faith, religion, and becoming piety, in order that they may call down on themselves the divine mercy and all the good things of which they stand in need. Do not cease to make use of all the means in your power in order that the priests of your diocese should distinguish themselves by this integrity and gravity of manners, by this innocence and this perpetual holiness of life which becomes well those who alone have the power of consecrating the divine host and of celebrating the holy and dreadful sacrifice. Desire them frequently to call the attention of, and to impress on, all those who are congregated in the sacred priesthood, in order that, thinking seriously on the ministry which they have received in the Lord, they may be faithful to it, and that having always present, in spirit, the heavenly power and the dignity with which they are clothed, they may shine by the brightness of all the virtue, that thus, by the merit of holy doctrine, they may devote themselves entirely to the service of worship, to divine things and the salvation of souls, offering themselves as a living and holy host to the Lord, and that carrying always in their body the mortification of Jesus, they may worthily offer to God, with pure hearts and hands, the host of salvation for their own salvation, and for that of the entire world. In fine, nothing is more agreeable to us, venerable brothers, than to take advantage of this occasion to express to you and to renew towards you 
the testimony of the lively affection which we bear towards you and the Lord, and also to encourage you to continue with still greater ardor to fulfill with courage all the duties of your pastoral charge, and to watch with still greater zeal over the salvation and preservation of your own dear flocks. Be assured that we are always ready to take our nearest heart of hearts, all that we shall judge to be proper to contribute to your utility and to that of your diocese. In the meanwhile receive, as the pledge of all the gifts of heaven, and in testimony of our lively affection towards you, the apostolic benediction which we give from the bottom of our hearts to you, venerable brothers, to all the clergy, and to the faithful laity confided to your care. Given at Rome, near St. Peter's, the third day of May, 1858, the twelfth year of our pontificate. End of Encyclical Letter, Amantissimi Redemptoris, On Priests and the Care of Souls, May 3, 1858. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C. Toulouse, France.